Cruise Radio is brought to you by InsureMyTrip.com. Travel insurance done right from the people who know travel insurance. Find out more at InsureMyTrip.com. You are listening to broadcasting from the InsureMyTrip.com mobile studios. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker, and we are broadcasting live this week in the Pacific Northwest aboard Uncruise Adventures SS Legacy. Yeah, a coastal replica steamer based seasonally here out of Portland. And uh, she goes up the Columbia and Snake Rivers and then turns around, then ends in Portland, Oregon. Before we get to the cruise experience itself, here are some facts about the SS Legacy. She's 192 feet in length. She carries 88 guests, so a smaller ship, 35 crew, and cruises at 11 knots. Now, she was just renovated back in actually 2013, so last year. So she has so much to offer, and we're going to talk about it on this episode. On this show, we'll be talking to Captain Dano of the SS Legacy, our heritage leader, Ryan, or cruise director, and get some guest highlights and input of our seven-night Columbia and Snake River cruise. Now, you're probably wondering, Columbia and Snake River, some people may think that's like a South American or Central American thing, but no, it's actually based in the Pacific Northwest, and you actually get to retrace Lewis and Clark, their expedition, hang out and explore where they were camping and the whole Sacagawea leading them around the Northwest up here. That was a neat little uh, thing to do. You have some tastings at some Washington wineries, uh, Multnomah Falls, the second largest waterfall in the U.S. Uh, you get to go up eight locks like the Panama Canal, but uh, a little different, a little smaller on a smaller scale. Uh, Hell's Canyon, take a jet boat into Hell's Canyon. Uh, stop by Walla Walla, Washington. Astoria, Oregon, one of my favorites because so rich in maritime history. We get to uh, stop there and check that out as well. So, so, so much to do. My guest co-host today, you've heard him on cruise radio a lot lately. He is from popularcruising.com, Jason Leopard. Jason, welcome to the show, my my friend. Thank you. Great to be here. Let's take a step back, Jason, and talk about our pre-cruise thoughts of the SS Legacy and Uncruise Adventures. Yeah, well, I've been on Uncruise before. I've been on the Safari Endeavor, which is one of their more adventure products. They're luxury products, so everything's inclusive. But um, that was definitely more of the kayaking and that kind of thing in Alaska. So this we knew was going to be more heritage and more history-based. So looking forward to seeing what that was all about. And uh, so far, it's really paid off. I came in from Jacksonville, Florida, so I traveled like over 2,400 miles to get here. So with that said, I did a pre-cruise night and got to check out Portland the night before the cruise. But let's talk about boarding because when it comes to boarding, it's a different story here on the SS Legacy. Definitely. It's super easy. They actually take you from the airport and uh, go to the Marriott downtown, which is just across the way from uh, just a walk away, really, from the river there. Uh, you can see the ship from the, the hotel, and it's perfect. You just walk across the street, and you're right on board. And uh, no room keys or anything, actually, which is kind of a nice convenience. You just go right into your room. Uh, don't even have to worry about locking it. So it's really convenient, and everybody is just in the same boat, literally. Our first guest on the show is the man responsible for educating us throughout our seven-day voyage. He is the heritage leader, a.k.a. cruise director, Ryan. Ryan, welcome, brother. Thank you very much. So uh, first off, Ryan, before we jump into your job as heritage leader, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Uh, yeah, I actually have kind of a similar background as Captain Dano. Uh, I started out working on tall ships, too, so very traditional um, square-rigged uh, sailing vessels and schooners and things like that, and um, just kind of had a, a dream 
to be at sea and be a sailor. And uh, so I started working actually up here in the Pacific Northwest was my first time working on ships like that. Uh, educational nonprofits mostly. When I was in college, I decided to follow that up and started going to sea. Uh, studied history in college um, and English literature. Kind of wrote most of my graduation papers about Pacific Northwest maritime history because uh, I was just fascinated by uh, the beauty up here and the um, and the history up here and the frontier history, but mostly history on ships. And I was really fascinated by that. And uh, so that's how I got started up here. So the SS Legacy here is a replica coastal steamer. For our listeners, what exactly is that? That's a really good question. So the place that really made them famous, I think, is uh, really Puget Sound, uh, where they called them the Mosquito Fleet. Um, Southeast Alaska, where uh, they were sending ships mostly from Seattle and San Francisco and Portland up there. And even on the East Coast as well. So this vessel was built uh, in the South and was operated on the East Coast originally when it was first built. So you have large ships that are sending cargo and uh, large passenger vessels and stuff like that in the late 1800s. But you needed smaller vessels to get in smaller ports that also needed to transfer cargo or passengers and things like that. So they needed to fill that gap between very small personally owned vessels and large vessels that were shipping cargo and passengers to different ports. So these vessels filled that gap. And in Puget Sound, like I said, the Mosquito Fleet, they called them that because they, they were buzzing around like mosquitoes around downtown Seattle, you know, just different ships going to different little harbors around Puget Sound and southeast Alaska. And and they were mostly steam operated, and so that we're obviously diesel operated, but we still retain that character and that um, decor and um, that that whole design that was very popular in the last 20 years of the 19th century and maybe the first um, first 10 years of the 20th century. So these were all over the place. Of course, we're on a passenger ship right now, but uh, is that all coastal steamers were used for? Was just passengers? In certain areas, yeah. So, like, in, in Puget Sound, there were um, kind of foot ferries before the big ferries, Washington State ferries nowadays, or the bridges that connect different communities, uh, mostly mostly passengers. Of course, when you had to ship cargo from, you know, one town to another or ship manufactured product or get raw materials out to the small towns and stuff like this, the, the onus basically fell a lot to uh, these small vessels that sometimes were family-owned or owned by very small companies. Before we get to the next question, Ryan, I want to say, first off, that you actually basically built this heritage program on the SS Legacy. Is is that correct? I was given kind of a vision of what they wanted this ship for, and that provided a framework. And then I worked with some really great people um, in the early stages. I'd be remiss if I didn't include so many people in the early days that really, really helped. And and, uh, all the guides that have gone through uh, last year and this year really took their part of the program that they were interested in and ran with it, um, which which really helped. So I provided just the framework. But yeah, this it's specific to this vessel. It all came about on this ship, and um, we're the only ones in the in the fleet who does it. And um, it's it's very it's a very special thing for this boat. Yeah. In your words, what's the difference in experience between the big cruise ships and right here aboard the SS Legacy? Yeah, the, I think um, what's what sets the difference particularly company-wide here for us at Uncruise is uh, the personal attention from the crew. And that's the most common thing I hear, not only on this ship, but our other ships as well, that um, we really, it's the personal connections we make. There are people who uh, are a little misty-eyed when they're leaving the ship on Saturdays, and that definitely happens. And uh, there are personal connections that are made, friendships that are made here between crew and guests and guests and guests, and uh, it's pretty pretty incredible. But I think the thing that sets us apart here specifically on the legacy is uh, this is a a storytelling boat. And I feel like the best way, 
of learning, the best way of um, sharing information, and we share a lot of information here, there's a lot of history here, is just storytelling. Um, and our opportunity to just tell stories through our pro- nightly programs or our narration as we're in the coaches or narration while we're on the ship or the different parks and museums we go to, it's just it's just weaving this this story and people just go nuts about it. It's a really great thing. Jason and I were talking about it earlier in the broadcast, the Oregon Trail, because we played that growing up on the old Apple computers back home. And it was just, yeah, you know, someone dying of something or forging the river or Indians robbing you and all this. But it's really cool just to be able to be out here and stand foot and walk the Oregon Trail. I think that's kind of, you know, our generation thing. That was, I think that game's one of the way I actually u- learned how to use a computer, mm-hmm. uh, to tell you the Same truth. Here. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, so, you know, this is, a great, this is a great way to see the Oregon Trail, you know, uh, without the uh, starvation and dysentery. Right. So that's, that's always <laughs> nice. Uh, but, uh, you know, we actually get to see the wagon roads of the Oregon Trail at the mouth of the Deschutes River. Um, we get to go to towns like the Dalles, which were only there uh, because it was a way station, the last way station uh, on the Oregon Trail. And that's just, you know, we have so many great stories, like I was saying, those themes we can focus on. One's Lewis and Clark, one's the building of the Bonneville Dam and the uh, Works Progress Administration, one's the Oregon Trail, you know, and there's so these this great themes that we get to follow. And uh, I think the Oregon Trail uh, continues to be, I mean, just from our experience as kids, even with that, that silly game, like we have an image in our mind. We have this, I think all Americans have this image of, uh, you know, wagon trains crossing the plains and uh, women in bonnets, you know, and, and uh, on horseback and, you know, going through all these privations and crossing the continent. And uh, it's, it's fascinating to, I, there's many places on the Oregon Trail in the United States where you can see that, but I think the view here from the Columbia River Gorge is the most incredible because that was the view that the Oregon Trail pioneers looked at and said, we made it. Yeah. And so that like wave of relief and that, that joy. And that's um, how the, you know, Portland and the Willamette Valley were really founded. You know, this, this final breath of relief that they'd made it across the, the entire continent. You know, it's amazing. Growing up and, you know, before I've ever seen a covered wagon, I always thought they were like luxurious and nice. And then I was looking at it at Fort Walla Walla the other day and I was like, that must have hurt like hell going over every single bump on that damn thing, you know, because you're boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty intense. And just in closing, Ryan, what would you say is your favorite part of your job? Watching guests just open up uh, in the course of just a week. They go from, you know, when you meet, when you are in a situation like this, you're meeting a lot of new people. Um, most of us as, as people are a little more introverted and stuff like that, you know. But then when, just over the course of a couple of days, and just with talking with folks and getting to know them and telling them stories, uh, they just open up and they want to tell me their life stories. They want to tell the crew their life stories and um, just how they got here to the river and their connection, maybe family connection with the river. Spending the past week talking with passengers, I was just at lunch with um, a lady and her granddaughter, and she was telling me that she fell in love with Lewis and Clark in the third grade on a little project she did, and she was bound and determined to make it up this river. And so on this cruise, she finally did it. I thought that was just super cool that she did that. Uh, We've been talking with Heritage Leader aboard the SS Legacy, Ryan Downs. Ryan, man, good talking to you, and uh, thanks for the awesome week and great knowledge of information you shared with us. Thanks for being here. This is wonderful. Thank you. This is Cruise Radio. How many times have you said, that'll never happen to us? Vacations are a big investment with both time and money, and they should be protected. 
For over a decade, InsureMyTrip.com has been the online travel insurance leader, offering the best plans from the most trusted providers. Our licensed and award-winning customer service team makes sure you have the right coverage for your travel. To find out why over 98% of travelers would recommend InsureMyTrip, visit InsureMyTrip.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. You're listening to Cruise Radio, part of the iHeartRadio Talk Network. the break i think ryan hit the nail on the head jason the actual itinerary they say it's an uncruise and i don't think they could be any more correct absolutely it's definitely i wouldn't say it's the full antithesis of a regular cruise mm-hmm. but it's definitely the focus is more off board than on some of the things that you get to see are just incredible i mean like you and i have both talked about it, it's like the wild west out here and it's like it's a landscape we'd only seen ever on television before another cool thing i geeked out about were the locks up and down the river kind of like the panama canal locks but just on a lot smaller scale but and actually more of them too because there are eight locks going up the river and then eight locks coming back down the river and you know if you put yourself in that mindset of the explorers when they came here from the east and going up and down these rivers in their rapids. It's a—it's really, really intense. Very happy to have the captain of the SS Legacy, Captain Dana, with us. Welcome, Captain. Hey, thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing ship. And uh, when did your love for the water start? Oh, pretty early age. I grew up near the water in coastal Connecticut, southeastern Connecticut, near Mystic. Just always loved summertime and the, and the water. Realized in high school that that's what I wanted to do and work towards uh, getting a job as crew. I always thought it would be on a tugboat or a freighter because that's what I thought sailors did. Right. But I ended up on tall ships and then uh, in the small cruise industry and also on a few yachts. And Captain, what draws you to this particular region? It's a long story. I, I first came to the Northwest in the late 80s to build a ship. And while uh, building that boat in Seattle, I met my wife. And uh, so when we settled down, that's where we came back to. Now, a captain in your position needs to have uh, a balance of both technical and also, because the ship is so small, personal interaction with each and every person on the ship, whether it be crew or a guest. How do you balance all that? Because you have a lot of responsibility. Try not to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I'm a pretty sociable guy, so that part of it comes easy for me, I think. I grew up uh, in a big family. I have eight brothers and sisters, so I was never... A loner. There was no way I could become a loner because there was always people around. So I'm comfortable in that. On the Columbian Snake Rivers throughout the year, are the conditions always changing? And if so, are there navigational challenges therein? Yes. So it's quite different in the fall than it is in the spring. So we're here now in October towards the end of our 2014 season. The river's running, particularly further upriver, is running pretty slow because there's not a whole lot of water that they're trying to push down through the dams. When we came here last spring, 
totally different scenario. You've got all the winter melt off, the runoff from the mountains and the snow. And so they're spilling a lot of water out of the dams and there's a lot of current, particularly below the dams where you just, what they call the push, the last two miles below the dam where you're trying to maneuver against this downbound current that runs pretty swiftly and can push the boat around uh, so it's it's more of a challenge i would say in the spring but uh you know you're on a river so you always have to be on your guard when you're on on watch and navigating the ship so how does a vessel of this size handle i like the way uh the legacy handles i've i've driven a lot of different boats and when when they asked me to come over here uh, she's 192 feet and has uh, three decks, full decks. So I thought, wow, this is going to be quite a challenge. But the boat has the power to do what you need it to do. And so uh, I've been really happy with the way she maneuvers. So chat with us a little bit about the lock system. What's the significance of that on this river? We go through eight locks, four on the Columbia River, four on the Snake River. So in a week of cruising, we go through 16 locks, eight up, eight back down. They made the river uh what should i say the river was navigable but uh very treacherous dangerous they needed very shallow draft boats they were using stern wheelers because obviously a propeller gets damaged by a rock or a reef and you've got a serious problem with a paddle wheeler they could lose a blade or two and they're still going to be able to navigate all right so captain what is the elevation from portland up to clarkston it's about 750 feet through the eight locks that okay. take you up there. And you have an open bridge policy on the SS Legacy. I guess all your cruise ships have that uh, in, with the Uncruised Adventurous fleet. What do passengers get out of that experience? You know, it turns out every week is a little different. Sometimes you have people that just love hanging out there and you get visitors all the time. Other weeks... You, you might only see a few people in a week. It is pretty exclusive to our company. I don't know of other companies that do it, and I think uh, passengers get a whole lot out of it. They love coming up there, seeing how we do our job, how we navigate safely on the river. But people do ask intelligent questions about the radar, the GPS, and the navigation systems that we use, or the buoy system on the river, the locks, etc. We've been talking with Captain Dan O'Quinn aboard the SS Legacy. Captain, thanks, sir. thanks for taking some time to talk to us this afternoon. Yeah, uh, you're welcome. You're most welcome. Appreciate it. Happy to do it. So we're joined now by Linda Garrison. She's the cruise expert at About.com. Cruise expert, how pretentious. It's pretty pretentious. <laughs> I am humbled you're here, being an expert I, and all. I'm, so. thrilled. I'm thrilled to be <laughs> I'm thrilled to be on Cruise Radio. Welcome to the show, Linda. I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, In your opinion, what makes this itinerary or the Northwest so appealing? Uh, I've done river cruises pretty much all over the world. And um, some of the the, cruising the Columbia River of the Pacific Northwest has some similarities to European river cruises in that you stop at some little towns along the river. But what makes it different is, first of all, the change in the scenery. I mean, you are going from the sea level up where it's lush and green and rainy up to the desert, the great desert in the uh, the eastern part of Oregon, Washington, and Idaho. And it's just, uh, and you're going through locks, taking you up 725 feet. That's a lot of locks. That's a lot of going up. So I think people would be most impressed with the scenery and the quaint little towns. Just like you have quaint little towns in Europe, you have quaint little towns in these states with things to see. Yeah, it's funny because when you think of cruising, you think of 
Key West, Nassau, Cozumel, Jamaica, Grand Cayman, but it's a whole different world up here. It, it really is. And, and for uh, for Americans that are looking for someplace different to cruise, uh, it's it's a great way to see the Pacific Northwest. I mean, you can, you can rent a car and drive around, but uh, a cruise gives you the ability to unpack only one time. And you get to see a lot of things that you're never going to see on another cruise in the Caribbean or any place else in the world. Um, out of this, out of the past seven days, Linda, what was your favorite? Probably still the jet boat ride, only because I love, I love the scenery, and it's there's something about being at the bottom of that canyon, riding the rapids and looking up and seeing some Rocky Mountain sheep and. Uh, and, and just um, riding on the river, watching the people fish, and, and seeing how primitive there's part of the United States still is. Have you ever had Rocky Mountain oysters? No, no. <laughs> but I know what they are. <laughs> We've been talking with the cruise expert at About.com, Linda Garrison. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks a lot, Doug. Enjoyed it. Jason, Linda hit the nail right on the head because... She's right. You're doing these small excursions. You're not getting off this ship with 3,000 other people. It's a very simple process. Absolutely. You know, it, it's kind of funny. You're not having that, like we were saying, the beep, beep, you know, kind of thing. Like you always have the key card. So you basically just go to a board. There's your uh, stateroom number. You slide a thing across just so they end it and they know that you're away uh, for the day. And it's basically a 10-minute process, and you're everybody's off the ship. It's super easy. Jeff Ward from SavvyNavigator.com joins us right now. Hello, Jeff. Hey there, Doug. How you doing? It's great to be on board the SS Legacy, isn't it? Yeah, dude. It's really, really cool. I've got to ask you one question first off. Before we get to anything about the Legacy, why the Savvy Navigator? What makes you the Savvy Navigator? I've been planning people's trips, helping people book luxury travel since I was a kid. When I was 12 years old, I actually booked my family vacation and called Delta Airlines. The number, I still remember, 1-800-623-623. 6,000. I called, I booked this trip, and at the end of the call, um, the reservations agent was amazed that I was like a a 10-year-old or 12-year-old kid making this booking. My voice hadn't changed yet, and the reservations agent actually thought I was my mom. (laughs) (laughs) So that was my foray into travel planning, and I was just trying to make sure that I was flying on the new National Airlines DC-10 with my family. Yeah. And that's uh, that was back in the day when there was flight tables where you had to get the brochure and see what flight did what, wasn't it? My childhood bedroom was plastered with uh, free mailings, free brochures that I had ripped up from you know, Air France and from Pan Am and from Lufthansa and all of these airlines that I someday dreamed of flying. Um, and lo and behold, uh, fast forward about uh, 30 years and that's what I do for a living now. That is so cool. So Jeff, let's talk about the sailing here on the SS Legacy. How does this, because you've traveled all over the world, I've heard your amazing stories all week long. So how does sailing on the SS Legacy differ from your past travel experiences? I would say up until last year, I was a big cruise ship kind of guy. I've sailed on all of the big ships, from the QE2 to the Queen Mary to a lot of the Royal Caribbean vessels. Um, I've sailed on, on Celebrity quite a bit as well. And last year, I took my first expedition cruise. That's where I became a real convert to small vessel cruising. So, lo and behold, I'm here on this vessel this week with you, and I absolutely love it. There's about 60 passengers on board with us. I've gotten to know a lot of really interesting people, and it's just been a great itinerary. And what it's doing 
which I think is really interesting, is it's helping define and create the river cruising segment here in North America. We see lots of river cruising in Europe right now, and it's a huge growth market, but there's not a whole lot of interesting river cruising going on here in the States. And I heard it time and time again. People said, I don't want to travel that far from home. I want to see something here in the USA that I haven't seen yet. And this cruise on the SS Legacy affords the cruise passenger exactly that. So we've been on the SS Legacy, Jeff, for the past seven days. So out of the past seven days, what has been your favorite experience? It could be on or off board. Okay, so I'm a New Yorker. I am a food and wine snob. Wherever I go, I'm constantly looking down my nose at the local food and beverage offerings. And I got to tell you, Doug, the food and the wine and the alcoholic beverages on board this cruise have been amazing. The food has been excellent. Every single meal I have I've eaten everything. There's actually been a dining companion on this trip who shall remain unnamed, but his initials might be DP, who I've seen actually eat multiple desserts. Today at lunch, I think there were two bread puddings consumed, were there not? There was. In fact, uh, we were talking about this earlier in the show, Jason and I were, that uh, if you want to mix it up and get one of everything on the menu, you can do that. But dude, you didn't mix it up. You had two of the same dessert (laughs) after having both of the entrees from the main courses. But anyway, we digress. The food looked great. The food tasted great. Um, the mixed drinks were good. The wine offerings were really good. Um, I did a deep dive this week into kind of Pacific Northwest uh, wines, and I only drank wines from the region. And Jason, the bartender, really made sure that, that I was allowed to do that. I didn't drink any Napa Valley wines. I didn't drink any foreign wines. I only drank the vintages from the Pacific Northwest, and it was really, really good stuff. We've been talking with the Savvy Navigator, Jeff Ward from SavvyNavigator.com. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Doug. Jason, this is my least favorite time of the cruise because here we are sitting in Astoria, Oregon right now. It is 3 p.m. Pacific time, which means we have less than 24 hours before we have to get off the ship. Actually, we get off the ship at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. Yeah, it's going to be a quick process. But uh, yeah, the end of the cruise is always a little uh, bittersweet, isn't it? It it really is. It really is. Uh, So let's recap the cruise then. Like, Why should someone sail the SS Legacy, in your opinion? I think anybody who's very interested in history would love this cruise. Uh, anybody who really uh, seeks an opportunity to see the natural sights. Um, it's really like seeing the Wild West, but on a cruise. It's really unique in that regard in that you get the relaxation of a cruise. You get the, the great food of a cruise. And just the history that you get to see and the culture is unlike anything else you're going to find. Uh, and especially just the convenience. If you're an American citizen, it's super easy to get here. You keep saying the Wild West, but it's funny because all the towns that you and I have been walking through, you've, it's a recurrent thing with you. You keep saying, this could be the scene of a Wild West movie, or I could see this as a backdrop of a Wild West movie. And it's funny, Jason, I just had lunch with a lady, and I, I said, what, you know, what really turned you on to this cruise? And she said, we were in third grade, and I did a project on Lewis and Clark. I wrote a paper, or whatever you do in third grade. And she said, from that point on... I was hooked. I've read every single Lewis and Clark book. I've done everything except explored the river itself. I've done land tours, but actually going down the river has brought things full circle, and I I totally can see that. Absolutely. This is a way you can actually live history and experience it in no other way. And, you know, it's great for multi-generations, too. I mean, like, uh, there's a grandmother and a granddaughter on this ship, and they're just having a blast. That's who I was actually talking to at lunch, uh, Katie and her grandma. Uh, So do you have any been there, done that tips? I I guess my thing would be to bring comfortable 
comfortable walking shoes if you're doing these because you're going to a lot of national parks. I guess we should also mention one other thing, Jason, I didn't mention earlier, is that since this is, is uh, an all-inclusive itinerary, uh, your national park admission and your museum admission, it's all included as well. Uh, do you have any thoughts for us? Uh, any been there, done that tips? Yeah, well, just like the fact that you said like all the excursions are included, that's huge. I mean, uh, you know, you look at the price point, it's like yeah, it's a little higher, but you get a lot included for that. So it's definitely worthwhile. As far as tips, I would say, you know, actually, I think it's kind of fun. You have the crew on board that are dressed up in period clothing. I think if you're the kind of person that likes to cosplay and dress up in that kind of clothing, you know, bring some of the stuff. They actually have some of it on board, but have some fun with it. Dress up in the period clothing. Like for me, coming over from Jacksonville, Florida to Portland, Oregon, definitely arrive a day early. I know we always talk about this whenever we speak to each other, but it's like if you don't come early, you have that chance of misconnecting as we recently experienced the uh, air traffic control fire in Chicago, which messed things up for two weeks there. I know you were right up the coast. You kind of flew in day of. But if you're coming a long way, definitely come in early and definitely buy travel insurance. Well, uh, all right, Jason. Well, uh, it's time to wrap things up and uh, get out of the owner's suite. I'm sure someone's going to kick us out of here if we don't anyways. But uh, if we want to find you online, Jason, where can we go? You can go to popularcruising.com and the Popular Cruising Video Podcast, and I'll have all my video content uh, fresh and ready to check it out. We'll also link to that in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. I leave you with a song that we've been singing all week long on the ship, Roll On Columbia, an old Woody Guthrie song. Well, we've done our little remake of it with uh, the passengers and the crew all week long. So here's a clip of Roll On Columbia, Roll On, from the insuremytrip.com mobile studios aboard the SS Legacy in uh, Astoria, Oregon. Yeah, that's where we are. I'm Doug Parker, and this is... Is Cruise Radio. Roll on Columbia, roll on. Roll on Columbia, roll on. Your power is turning our darkness to dawn. So roll on Columbia, roll on. Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by AlaskaCruises.travel. Looking for the best deal on an Alaska cruise? Look no further than alaskacruises.travel, where you can shop and compare itineraries, read reviews, watch videos, and more. Visit alaskacruises.travel today. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the insuremytrip.com studios. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Overseas Radio Network, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.